I want us to uh, zoom out of the Exodus story for this episode in the series. If you don't mind, I call it that. Zoom out. And I want to take a wide-angle view of the Exodus story. Now, first, can you remember what powerful substance provided the final escape from Egypt before they left? Now, this is a little pop quiz, maybe a little something to help everybody to stir the juices, prime the pump of this message today and get us started. What powerful substance provided the final escape from Egypt? I call it door blood. Door blood. What does it mean to us, door blood? In the New Testament. We talked about this. We preached about this a few weeks ago. God's protection. He allowed the death angel to pass over all of those who had blood on their doors. The door blood. But that's not all. It's not just protection. But those who had been spared, they were given God's instituted authority. That's what I call it, an institutionalized authority. Now, I'm not talking about a location or a university or a hospital or whatever. I'm talking about God saying, I'm going to institute something here today that never existed before. His instituted authority was that they could now withdraw and abandon Egypt and walk away from their bondage. They could walk away from their, their chains. They could walk away from, their, from the, the fences and the, and the barbed wire uh, fences that kept them in. They could walk away from all of the things that were, that were keeping them from living a life of freedom because of his blood. I want you to stop and realize today, because of the blood of the lamb, they were able to be set free. Freedom. i got to say it again, and I'm going to actually come back to this at the very end of this message. So you might want to make a note of this. The door blood was God's instituted authority for withdrawal and abandonment of Egypt. Never to go back. Never to return. To walk away once and for all. And it was the blood of the Lamb that was that powerful substance that was associated with their departure. Now, we have the blood of Jesus. Can you say amen? If this was a sanctuary full of people, I'd want everybody to say, now we have the blood of Jesus. You could say it in your heart, say it in your home. Now we have the blood of Jesus. Its provisions are the same. We not only get a second death protection by his blood, which we've preached in times past about the second death, but we get release from the Egypt of our hearts when we plead his blood in repentance. Egypt is always and forever that symbology, that symbolized geographical location in the Old Testament. But today it's a spiritual location. And you and I can walk out of that bondage of the chains that hold us down, addictions and habits and 
painful circumstances and a life that is cycling down and it is a, it is a hamster wheel of life, we can get out of that. We can jump off the hamster wheel and we can start living a life of freedom. And I want to tell you how. It's because of the blood of Jesus Christ. We plead his blood in repentance. When we repent of our sins, the authority of repentance is found in his blood. He washes us white as snow. Thank you, Lord, for washing us white and snow, white as snow. So you can be and I can be protected and released today. Thank God for that because of his blood. Now, I'm going to talk about that at the end. Okay, so let's now let's let's do a quick zoom out itinerary of Israel's campgrounds. Uh, maybe you want to call it their campouts. Hey, where, where, do we look, where do we go for that? I'm going to tell you where to bookmark. If you ever want to get an itinerary of all of the travels of Egypt in one place, excuse me, the travels of Israel out of Egypt, all in one chapter, remember, Exodus is not the book. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. you got to go to Numbers. And then you flip down through all the chapters and numbers until you get to 33. And Numbers 33 starts with these words. These are the journeys. Might want to highlight that word journeys. These are the journeys of the children of Israel. That word in a lot of translations says stages. These are the stages of the children of Israel who went out of the land of Egypt by their armies under the hand of Moses and Aaron. Now Moses wrote down the starting points of their journeys or their stations stat, or stages. See, see how it all kind of goes together? Moses wrote down the starting points of their journeys at the command of the Lord and these are the, watch this, these are the journeys according to their starting points. Now, now when verse 2 is over, your most exciting reading is over. Now, if we had a house full of people, everybody would be kind of chuckling, right? Because verse 33, verse 3 of 33 begins a whole monotonous list of where they came from, where they went, 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 where they came from, where they went. And I'll let you count them. I'm going to tell you in a minute how many there are. There's a lot of those where they came from, where they went. You want me to keep saying that? Are you all done with that? I'm done too. They departed from Ramses in the first month, the 15th day of the first month on the day after the Passover. Praise the Lord the day after the Passover. Praise God for the day after the Passover. The children of Israel went out with boldness. What was the Passover? The death angel passed over because they had blood. Protected them, right? Went out with boldness in the sight of all the Egyptians. Don't you love it when people walk out of the Egypt of their spiritual enslavement and they say, I have got boldness in me that I'm not going to be ever be like I was before. I'm living a brand new life. Something has happened and it's completely new. I have walked out of Egypt. And this is what happened in 3,000 years ago when they walked out of Egypt. They walked out with boldness in the sight of all of their enemies. The Egyptians are like feeling very powerless to stop them because they had just endured 10 horrific plagues, especially the last one. Now verse 4 says, for the Egyptians were burying all their firstborn and they 
you've got to picture this. As, I'm sorry, I'm laughing because I, I shouldn't be laughing because the Egyptians were so filled with, with, with sorrow. But, the, but God's people were having this victory march instead of a funeral dirge. They should have been everybody's walking slow and playing sad music. But Israel is running out. They are bold. Their hands high. They've got all the gold and jewelry and treasures of Egypt. And they're leaving, brothers and sisters. They're heading out of town. And, and all the Egyptians are stopping to rest on their shovels as they wipe the tears from their muddy cheeks and say, hopefully this is once and for all. We're done with these people. Look what they've done to us. About to bury our beloveds. This is what happened the very day after Passover. There was burial. There were burials taking place of the firstborn whom the Lord had killed among them also on their gods. The Lord had executed judgments. That's what the plagues were all about. We already talked about that. I hope everybody's enjoying a little, not a little, I guess it's pretty big, a lengthy series on Exodus because all of this flows beautifully together. Now, see, this begins. Then the children of Israel moved from Ramses and camped at Succoth. That doesn't really mean a lot to you and me, does it? They departed from Succoth and camped at Etham, which is on the edge of the wilderness. And then it goes on to say they, they, they left, departed this place and went to that place. And then they departed this place and went to that place. They departed this place and went to that place. So these are what we call the journeys. Can you repeat after me, journeys? So important that we capture this essence right now in this message. These are the journeys. What did I say? Stages is what many translations say. And what is in the margin of other Bibles that say when you study this script, this chapter, verse number, chap, chapter, verse, chapter, numbers, chapter 33, verse number one. Journeys. Journeys, stages. Now, I want to tell you what, if you could read Hebrew, what you would be seeing where it says journeys. Numbers 33.1. These are the journeys. You know what it actually says in Hebrew for journeys? It says pluckings up. <laughs> These are the pluckings up. I mean, God's huge hand is reaching down and picking up two million people and he's plucking them up. These are the pluckings up. I, I challenge you to use those two words this week. Uh, my pluckings up are going to call me to King Supers today. Where are your pluckings up going to take you? My pluckings up <laughs> have, have been boring today. How have your pluckings up been? <laughs> Journeys, stages. The pluckings up of God's people. Here's what it references. Taking up, pulling up tent stakes as they begin another march. As they abandon an old campsite heading who knows where. Because God is leading them with the cloud by day and fire by night. Now, I don't know if you ever wondered, those of you who are the theological nerds, okay? I, and I, I'm saying that respectfully because some people just really don't care, it seems like. They just read their Bibles. But I want to be kind of a nerd when it comes. Hey, I don't wanna, if I'm going to be a nerd about anything, it's going to be about God's Word. 
But if you're like kind of obsessive over details, like I have been in the past, and I want to continue to be in Jesus' name, I'm like, well, how many times did they have to pluck up and move? If you've ever wondered, wonder no more. Count the times in Numbers 33. This is a good listing for you. Almighty God, Jehovah of the Old Testament, Jesus of the New Testament, let me tell you what he did. He orchestrated at least 40, count them, 40, four zero campgrounds for his people. And that included at least three wildernesses. They moved from one wilderness to another to another through this 40 encampments. And I don't know if you've ever counted up the miles, but if you were to stop and say, okay, Numbers 33 says they, they, they were plucked up from here and they went here. They plucked up from here and they went here. They were plucked up from here and they went here. If you were to count not just the number of times, which is 40, and, but if you were to count the wildernesses, it would be three. But let me tell you, if you stopped and counted the miles, oh, now, Pastor, we're getting somewhere, miles. It's over 380 miles of travel <laughs> going from place to place to place many times zigzagging and going in a meaningless pattern at least it was meaningless to them 380 miles roughly that's the minimum number might have been 500 total but now, for those of you who are not so theologically obsessed, how many years did Israel wander in the wilderness? Thank you. I heard 40 in my ear, my mind's ear. 40 is right. For 40 years, 40 camps, 3 wildernesses, 380 plus miles, and I'm talking 40 years of what must have been misery. Now, what I'm telling you here, why I'm telling you this is because we're zooming out. We're going to zoom back in in the next week or two because I, I want you all to know how excited I am to study, to preach, to engage in, in the story of the way that they stayed sane in the 40 years because God instituted some amazing festivals. Woo! Hallelujah. Go ahead and say festival. You know what festival means? It means a feast. And it means a party. And it means a time of year where they had to stop their focus on their daily life and they got to have a little party. And they focused on a certain area of life and a certain things the Lord had done for them. They're called the feasts of Israel. Those things were instituted before they began wandering the wilderness. And when they wandered the wilderness, they were able to go forward and have stopping points. And it kind of kept them going is the way I look at it. But the bottom line is this. I want everybody to understand this. We don't mean that because they camped in 40 different places uh, that they completed one camp or one journey per year. No, no, no. No, no, no. Maybe some of you would think, well, it's 40 encampments, 40 journey stages or stations of camping, so it must have been one per year since it was 40 years. Wrong. 
because the first 11 campouts were completed in two months. You talk about it, poor Egypt. I mean, why do I keep saying Egypt? Poor Israel, plucking up, then putting down. Plucking up, putting down. Plucking up 11 times in two months. They, that, that's a lot of tent peg driving. That's a whole lot of tent repair. That's a whole lot of tent folding. Have you ever had to fold a tent before and put it back in the bag it came in? It's like, wow, these guys are laughing at me right now. I can't get it back in this bag, right? Can you imagine these people? 20, 30, 40 years. Here they are. But the first two months, they actually went between 11 campsites. So, no, it's not by year. It's apparently not even by random. It's by God's design to teach us, watching this live stream right now, a lesson in 2020. Are you all ready for this? Oh, come on. God didn't let this happen just for them. Remember, the Bible says it was for our example. I'm, in other words, take it personally what happened to the people of Israel. Don't just think it was history, but it's for you. Woo! So why did God let this happen? Well, I believe for those who were alive back then, 3,000 years ago, they were the unfaithful of God, and God penalized them for their fear and their unwillingness to walk into the promised land that God had given them a promise for. And they came back with the 12, 12 spies, remember, and 10 overruled the two, and 10 said, we're not able, we're afraid, we're too small, we're like grasshoppers, they're like giants. And so everybody began to weep and wail, and they wimped out completely. And God said, you know what? For all the days that you went in to spy out the land, which was 40, you're going to spend one day, one year. For all the days, you're going to spend one year, 40 years, wandering in the wilderness. So all of you who had fear will die in the wilderness, and it will be the next generation that goes into the promised land, except for Joshua and Caleb. Now, so easy to divert and uh, to get distracted. But I want to tell you, God let those pluckings up happen. Here's how we take it personally. You ready for this? If you're ready, say, I'm ready. You know what I had to do? I had to stop right now and say, if everybody's ready and they're really watching on Facebook, write, I'm ready. Type it in, comment, I'm ready. You know, I just go get a cup of coffee and wait till everybody says I'm ready. But I'm not going to do that to y'all, especially those of you who are intently watching and you don't want to comment. You want to keep your anonymity. Okay, watch. Here is why God let that happen for us today. To teach us an urgent and a timeless lesson in God's, what I call God's adjustment university. <laughs> God's adjustment university. There are things we, knew, we do need to be adjusted to. But there are many things we better never get adjusted to. I don't want to get adjusted. Y'all hearing what I'm saying? This history is brought into 2020 or beyond. Whenever this is being understood and comprehended again to awaken you and me to a desperation to stay limber and agile against the illusion of settling down in a comfort zone. 
So I believe God's got a reason for sending COVID-19 to the apostolic Pentecostal world. I'm going to take it personally. I don't look at it as pandemic. I'm going to look at it as, as me-demic. What is God saying to me? What is God saying to the church? What is God saying to those who are spirit-filled, apostolic, Pentecostal believers in the, in, the, in the liberating power of Jesus' name? What is God saying to us today? I believe God is saying it's time for you to wake up and make sure that you are agile, that you are limber, and that you are not getting settled into a place that is just an illusion of settlement. That's what, that's what the Lord wanted to do. He was helping his people to recognize this is not your home. How, I doubt, friends, I doubt that if you had walked through one of those camps, let's just say the night before, the night before the cloud is about to move, you walk through one of those camps and say, guys, how y'all doing? How's this new camp? Well, been awesome. We've been here going on 50 days. It's been pretty comfortable. Pretty happy about this uh, nice campsite. We've got a well over here and got shade and we got these pathways that have been carved between the tents and between us and the, and the tabernacle and we got a pretty good little life going on here we got it kind of stable we got a calendar we have a schedule we're doing this with our time and god is letting the quail come and god is letting the the the, the manna fall and it's just all pretty good hey do you really want me to take my feet down and stand up and hand give you a handshake for stopping by my my tent i can just picture people right now the israelites they're chilled, they're relaxing, and they're like, yeah, we're good. All is great. <laughs> We've got a very comfortable position. <laughs> but you and I, like I said in my little story, we know tomorrow, oops, there goes the cloud. There it raises. Some, one author illustrated it like a great eagle shape spread over God's people as a protection like a great cloud but then as it would start to wispily move and 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 and, and its and its dimensions were to consolidate and go in a direction whoo people would have to suddenly put their rocking chairs away Suddenly they have to put their folding chairs away. They got to fold up their tents, pull up their tent stakes and say, "Woo! I guess we got to muster our strength again. I'm sure getting tired of moving around. You know what God would say? I don't want a people who is getting comfortable and settled. I want you to be up and at them. I want this people to be a re representation in time to come that my personality responds best to those people who will quickly respond to opportunities and issues and circumstances and challenges that I throw your way that cause you to become unsettled. Jeremiah 48 11 says Moab has been at ease from his youth. He has settled on his dregs. That's when a beverage has been allowed to sit for a long time and it has sediment at the bottom. Settled. He's not been emptied from vessel to vessel. Nor has he gone into captivity, therefore his taste remained in him and his scent has not changed. And God, of course, uses Moab in Jeremiah as an example of someone who is complacent. Zephaniah 1 and verse 12. Give you a second to turn your attention to Zephaniah. What does it say? And it shall come to pass at that time I will search Jerusalem with lamps. And watch, God, watch what God says. Punish the men who are settled in complacency. 
who say in their heart, the Lord will not do good, the Lord will not do evil, God is just sort of this middle ground, just this kind of blah personality. God says, I'm going to do what to them? Punish you. All those who are happy with their feet up, they're melted into their rocker, their lazy boy is well-oiled, and they're just having a good life. God won't do anything. God won't interfere. God won't interrupt. It's just all going to be like it is forever. This is all there is. And God says, I'm going to punish people who are settled in complacency. So here's what I have to say in this message today. Just like 3,000 years ago, I believe that a significant portion of God allowing a worldwide pandemic in our world today is to get his heaven-bound people out of complacency, to keep us agile as apostolics, uh, to make us limber as leaders, uh, praying harder than ever for his will to be done and for his message to stay mobile. I don't say those words idly. I don't say those words without planning and careful prayer and meditation. God, help us to be agile apostolics, limber leaders, praying harder than ever to be mobile in our messaging, mobile in our love for you, our life for you. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Now, you know what the next section says? God says these next two words. You are a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. I believe when God calls us out of darkness into light, it doesn't mean that we're just going to get settled in to light. We're going to be those who recognize God called us out, and we're going to keep the momentum. we got to keep the movement. We can't just get settled in. Oh, yeah, God's been good to Calvary for over 60 years. But you know what? For us to get settled in is for us to be those who are punishable. I believe God wants his people to say, let's get up. Uh, let's shake ourselves. Uh, it's time for us to rumble. It's time for us to say Devil, we may look like we're asleep, but you know what? There's a waking giant taking place right now. God is doing something to his people. We are a chosen generation, royal priesthood, a peculiar people. You know what peculiar means? Peculiar comes from the word pecuniary. Pecuniary means movable treasures not attached to real estate like money or jewels. <laughs> you see, we are as peculiar people. If he wants to spend the Mitchell family over here, and he wants to spend the Kelly family over here, and he wants to spend the, the Martinez family over here, and the Appenfelder over there, and the Teets family over there, and he wants to spend the, the, Kel, the, fam, the Haymans, and, and who am I missing here? I'm just going ahead and naming all the wonderful folks who are with us today. I think I got them all. If God wants to spend the, the, the other families... Where does he want to spend me? Where does he want to spend you? Don't call yourself a peculiar people if you're not ready to be spent. Lord, spend me and help me, God, to recognize that to be spent, I've got to be unattached. I cannot be anchored down, weighed down, held back. I can't be looking to this world for my hope, for my treasure, and for my pleasure. God, i got to keep looking to a place that's so much better. I'm going to go there sooner or later. I don't want to get adjusted to this world. Somebody say amen wherever you are. The emphasis is on portability, brothers and sisters. We're not passive. We can't be stationary. We can't be settled. God's people are a moving people, a people actively grasping open doors to fulfill God-given mission. 
Amen. Ready to spin and be spent. Ready to be used. Lord God, burn me up. Make me a, a, a true sacrifice. Put my body, light my body on fire. Lord, as a living sacrifice. God, I want to be consumed by your mercy. I, folks, this, is, this message doesn't go over real well to football watchers on a Sunday morning. Or shoppers. Or gamers. Or anybody. Because, I mean, you know, we're so, we're so quick to adjust to our world. But God says, I want to shake a few of you and say, are you really ready to be loose from this world? Because if you're ready to be loose from this world, I can use you. And if you're ready to be loose from this world, I can carry you to a place that's so much better. I can take you to heaven. And heaven is our ultimate home that we're watching, that we're waiting for, and we're looking for. We're not looking for a city on this earth. We're looking for a city in the, in the beyond. Amen. The new Jerusalem is my home, not this day and age. So it all happened. The plucking's up. It all happened for this reason. John 17, 15. Jesus said, I don't pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should, you should keep them from the evil one. Jesus says, they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. We are not of this world. This. How many of you are mourning the loss of something in your life? All of us. Can you think of something you've lost? Can you think of something that used to be, something that used to exist, something that in times past was a thriving and well, something that was perfect and beautiful and wonderful? You felt at the moment like it would just be ideal. You perhaps wanted to freeze time, but there's no freezing time. So what we do is we tend to take lots of pictures and videos. And then, years later, we flip through our pictures and videos with tears dripping on our phones. Remember those little ones? Remember that vacation? Remember those wonderful times? Oh my goodness, how we would love to go back. But God says, I want to see if you're willing to move forward, not go back. You can't go back. We must look towards heaven and say, God, we're gonna, we're, we got a prize that is a high calling. And Lord, we're going to keep on pressing. So Lord, if it means we have to let go of the past and reach forth to that which is before us, God, help us to have an anchor-free relationship with you. Any of you got an anchored relationship? with God it's really not a relationship at all if you can't say this world means nothing and God means everything then there's no relationship I want to read to you in my final passage today I want to read to you as musicians help us to bring this message to a conclusion I'd like to read theologian Eugene Peterson's words the way he paraphrased 1 Peter 1, 17 through 19. You gotta get just, you catch this, okay friends? You gotta catch this. You call God, you call out to God for help. And he helps. Hallelujah. He's a good father that way. But don't forget, he's a, also a responsible father and won't let you get by with sloppy living. Your life is a journey. 
You must travel with a deep consciousness of God. Oh, how I love the sanctuary at 5900 East Jail. But this is not my home. (laughs) How I love my home in Castle Rock where I live. But that's not my home. How I love my loved ones in this earth. But you know what? They better never be rivaling the one I love the most, which is Almighty God. I'm telling everybody, if you're in love with the past, you need to say, God, develop in me a breakup. Lord, develop. The the cloud's moving, church. The COVID-19 pandemic is waking us up to something, that there is not a, a complacency that's allowed in God's family and God's kingdom. Your life's a journey. You must travel with a deep consciousness of God. It costs God plenty to get you out of that dead end, empty life you grew up in. He paid with Christ's sacred blood, you know. He died like an unblemished, sacrificial lamb. So, it's not the door blood, it's Jesus' blood. (laughs) That's our protection and our instituted authority for withdrawal and abandonment of Egypt. And it's that continuing, powerful influence of His blood that keeps us moving. Lord, don't ever let us get stable and settled to where we think this is heaven because this is not heaven. I feel like today we ought to pray for Sister Ann Kimball. Lost her husband last week. Pray for her daughter, Amanda. Lost their husband and father. But to the Kimballs, I say, this world is not our home. Those in our church family who've lost loved ones, this world is not our home. We want them back. Yes, we do. But can I tell you, if you'll just loosen your stakes, pull up the tent pegs, fold up the tent today and say, God, mobilize me today. I'm not going to be satisfied anymore to be comfortable in this world and to wish I had it the way it was. Lord God, make me limber. Help me to be agile. Even if I get so old that I can't really leap and run anymore, God, I want to stay limber and agile in my heart and in my praise and my worship and my anticipation and my faith and looking forward to getting this word out and telling the world Lord God, don't let the gospel be hid because if it is hid in my righteousness, it is hid to them that are lost and my righteousness does not equate to God's righteousness. I thank you, Lord, for your institute of authority for withdrawal and abandonment of Egypt and I thank you, Lord, for your blood that is my instituted authority to maintain momentum as I move toward the promised land. In Jesus' name. Exodus teaches us three things. First, Wherever you are, it's probably Egypt. Second, there's a better place, a world more attractive, a thing, a place, a location we call the promised land, and I call it heaven today. And the third lesson it teaches is that the way to that land of promise is through a wilderness like this we're in right now. As you and I wander through this wilderness and COVID-19, whatever else comes our way, we've got to say, hey, I can take it. There goes the pillar of cloud. There goes the pillar of fire. He's moving. He's moving me. I don't want God to move without me. I'm going with him. And where is God taking us next? 
I don't know, but I'm ready for another stage. I'm ready for another journey. Would you begin as we wind this message up? I'd like to invite you to begin right now a process of prayer. I'm now leaving this message with you. Family of God, friends, congregation, take it, okay? Would you catch it? Like a good catcher's mitt. Don't let it be missed. Catch it today. And let it become something that you absorb right now in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time together. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for Sundays. But Lord, don't let Sundays be the only confining time that we worship and praise and glorify your name and think on your word. Lord Jesus, let Monday be that day as well. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Because Lord God, I want to be your peculiar people. Not attached to a day. Not attached to a place. Not attached to an idea. Not attached to a ministry. The Lord attached to the God of the universe. In Jesus' name. Lord, I pray right now that you would move in every household. That our hearts be somehow warm to the point of melting before you today. Loosen the moorings, God, if we've had any with this world. And help us, Jesus, to remember this world is not my home. Thank you, Lord, for keeping me from getting settled in. The only thing that's settled is your word forever settled in heaven. Your blood, your forgiveness, your beautiful plan of salvation. Thank you, Lord God, for the blood that gives us power. I pray for anybody watching right now who has not repented of their sin and has not been baptized. Let that happen, Lord, before this day, before this week is over. Let us see someone experience transformation in their realization that you, Lord God, are calling us to a place outside of Egypt on our way to the promised land. In Jesus' name.